0: It. Other days it just ain't working. Welcome to the second
1: hour of the Randy Tobler Show on daylight savings time conversion. We yes, we're transitioning, but not like they mean at Washington University uh, Pediatric Clinic. We're transitioning to daylight savings time, which means tonight uh, you can't do it. You can't do it till what two o'clock. You have to get up at two o'clock and move your 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 clock to three. No, I'm kidding. You can you can actually do it. Before that, of course, but uh, that means you get to the future a little bit quicker. That's one way to good good way to look at it. My wife was, oh, we we gotta can't sleep in an extra hour like we do in the fall. You gotta get up a little earlier, but that's okay. It's going to work out okay. We're talking a lot about, and it seems like we talk a lot about government missteps, Um, and. and I did want to spend a little bit of time on something I actually just read in the Wall Street Journal from yesterday uh, during the top of the hour break. I'm always I'm always survey surveying and, and combing the landscape of the media to unpack little bits and pieces of things that, while it may not affect you directly, it it speaks of a systemic cancer in America. And what is that in terms of a political cancer? It is. It is an evolving thought which now has totally taken over everyone in the Democrat Party, except maybe Joe Manchin and a couple others that are obscure that don't get the headlines. But even he is complicit with much of it. Anyone that uh, professional politicians, they tend to fall into this. We know what's best for you. And if we just work on it hard enough and grind that sausage long enough, it'll be digestible for you. And it'll especially protect us in our interest because it'll give us more money that then we can redistribute to voters. Wow, that's a good scheme if you can get away with it. And they have for years. And part of what my problem is with government is the impact that the deep state. Well, not the, not the deep state. The superficial state has on our lives. So I'm going to I'm going to just talk about a couple of things something happened to me the other day that was a little thing but i think it illustrates a problem with modern day america and it's modern day jefferson city and it's modern day every capital in the nation it's probably it's modern day city of st louis maybe county of st louis zoning ordinances yeah, inspections of your buildings everything else it is the it is the overwhelming amount of regulations it is the insane attention to detail trivial details that mean nothing substantively nothing in the matter at hand and it causes us that are trying to make a living create a better world for our family and the rest of the world and maybe make a little bit in turn for doing that whatever it is you do you know what i mean so here's what happened okay at the liberty Lair, we participate in a program where we do a lot of habitat management, a lot of conservation practices. And in return for the, you, you can do that and get some help from the government. Oh, yeah, Randy, what are you talking about? You say you don't like redistribution. Well, no, I like I like uh, reallocation to me <laughs> when I pay my taxes, even though I rail against these programs. I wish they didn't exist. That they do, though, it would be foolhardy for people not to take advantage of them. At any rate, you know what I'm talking about. The CRP program, there's one called the Environmental Quality Improvement Program. That's EQUIP. And so if you do stuff that costs money to do on your property that improves, the, maybe it, it prevents soil erosion or it improves the uh, the forestry, maybe it, in my case, we're going to remove a lot of invasive species of, uh, of plants. So it takes a lot of time, a lot of chemicals, you know, kill the stuff. And sometimes you have to hire bulldozers and stuff. At any rate, so... In order, so we recently moved, not not from the lair, but at our at our other residence, and and get a load of this, Leah. You have to if you're going to participate in one of these programs, they need what's called an 1199A direct deposit form. Okay, you put your name, your social security number, your date of birth, you you know whatever, and your account number for your bank. Then then you either attach a voided check or the bank. Okay, so. I downloaded the, I was told I needed 1199A. I downloaded that because you can't participate in the program until you do this. And you're like, okay, so you, so I downloaded this from the web. I looked it up, 1199A, beautiful, I think, and I think uh, there was somewhere in the little fine print, it said like 2020, I think it said, okay, good, whatever, 1120, you know, I figured, okay, good. I fill it out. I drive to the bank to get them to certify that, uh, you know, the financial institution has to certify that, in fact, you do have an account there and blah, blah, blah. But I called there. There was I had a question about the address to which I was supposed to send it. Stay with me here. I call the office and very nice people at the office. I won't mention it's in a county office in 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 Missouri. I won't mention it, but it's a great people there. I get on the phone and one of the people gets on the phone with me and says now, um," I said I downloaded the form and I filled it out and should I send it to NRCS or to USDA or to FSA or all all these different agencies with alphabet soups. (laughs) And she says to me, do you have the right form? I said, yes, it's an 1199. She said, no. Remember, it's a government form. the, The people in the government know this. They know this. If you work for the government, you know exactly what I mean. And I'm challenging you I'm challenging you today to fight these crazy, crazy rules. So I take it a half hour out of my day. I go leave the office, go to the bank. And I happen to walk in when I'm talking and I said, well, I've got it. And she said, well, you may not have the latest version of the form. You know, this is the government. You know how they are. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) As God is my witness, I had to, and my wife had had to sign it because we're, co you know, it's a joint checking account that the money's Mm going to be deposited in. And she'd had to sign it. She was back at the office working. I'm at the bank, and now I find out, lo and behold, I had the 1120 version, but, oh, a new version came out the next year. Guess what? The information's identical. No different. But because the little, you know, OMB number 000.007, I didn't know it, but I needed 008. I had to go through the whole rigmarole again. Now, look, that's not the end of the world. It's not cancer. It's not a heart attack. It's not bankruptcy. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know this. Leah, you're you're too young to yet get real angry about this. But as you go through life, you're going to find out these stupid little pet tricks that they put us through that have no substantive imp- meaning or, or, or uh, uh, you know, intelligent design on what the heck it's, it's all about. This is the problem. There's no rational reason why they couldn't have said, OK, you got all the information there. I'm sure it'll pass muster. You know, I'll put a little note on it. The guy loaded it down and the, 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 the information. Can you believe this, Leah? This is uh, like this is why people turn libertarian and this is why the American Revolution happened in seventy six. It's little things like this that cumulatively it's fifty thousand pages of IRS regulations that no one can figure out. This is why it happens. Now your thoughts, Leah.
2: Yeah. Uh well, I don't know. I can't relate to your situation exactly, but I know I've been to the DMV where they want you to have like 10 different documents, you know, and yep. it's like you don't have one and they're like, that's not our problem. And yeah. it's, you know, so you right got to go home and get this, that. And it's like, yeah. So, I mean. Now, there
1: are people at these places that will try to help you to the extent they can. Okay. I'm yeah. not saying that folks won't be helpful. My beef is with those of you who are a part of the system. And you know it's wrong, and I know you know it's wrong, and everyone you deal with across the counter n- knows that you know that there's something rotten in Denmark. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be agencies and there shouldn't be a certain level of administrative rigor. That's not the point here. But but it's 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 that the the madness needs to stop. I know this from having run a hospital currently trying to get a practice going it's unbelievable what you have to do that makes no it has nothing to do with patient safety with in this case this has nothing to do with getting the, 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 the little government subsidy into my checking account zero nada nothing except it kept someone at an office in dc cranking out a new version where they've changed a couple of different lines here i don't know what the heck they did i still can't find the difference in the two documents so that makes me pivot to this story. Remember in the uh, Joe Biden's Inflation Expansion Act, the uh, Joe Biden's Ruin the Economy for the Next Generation Act? Yeah, that one. He called it the Inflation Reduction Act. Embedded in that was something that for corporations was called the book minimum tax. A new tax, also known as the corporate alternative minimum tax. You know, some of you may pay an alternative minimum tax. This went into effect in January as a result of this wonderful piece of legislation by these legislators. God love them. Oh, they're so special. They know what's good for us. They're looking out for us. They can't close the borders. They spend too much money during COVID and now we've got a disaster of an economy with banks closing and we're on the precipice of not a I think it's not a recession. It's going to be a depression. I'm telling you, I think we're in big trouble next year about this time. Mark my words, if not sooner. The legislation established uh, something called this alternative corporate minimum tax. It's a 15% minimum tax on a company's financial statement income. It's based on book income, which I guess some financial services accounting board, a financial accounting standards board, a private unelected group of uh, accountants. Oh, isn't that fun? So we create a tax. God love you accountants. I love all of my accounts. Oh, accountants are great. This is not about accounts. But it's another jobs program for bureaucrats at the IRS and accountants to then try to figure out what in the heck this tax, how it's figured. The new tax includes dozens of exceptions, including some that, get this, wait for it, The IRS and Treasury haven't even defined what the rules and regulations are in terms of computing the tax burden. One of the only major questions the IRS has answered is that tax-free mergers will be tax-free for book minimum tax purposes. Okay, that's about 50 pages long. So, The situation is bad enough that at meetings where they have IRA, I've been to meetings in the healthcare field where they'll bring a regional Medicare person in or someone from Washington, D.C., the deputy HHS secretary. I mean, they look a lot of the time you talk with these people and sometimes it seems like you're talking to KJP. They must have cloned her. They can't give you answers. They spin. They obfuscate. They obstruct. They dodge. The situation's bad enough, says the Wall Street Journal. The taxpayers are now questioning IRS legal counsel at American Bar Association meetings to try and get some answers on how to calculate the darn tax. Now, excuse the rant here. Well, no, don't excuse it. Take it to heart. You may may work for a corporation and have no interest in the alternative minimum tax. You may be a small business person and this doesn't apply to you. That's not my point. The point is, this is bothering a lot of people. It's creating misery at corporations where they have to divert capital, which should be directed to perhaps making chips in America rather than China, where perhaps they should be working on a cure for cancer at name your big pharma company rather than worrying about the tax. You see what I mean? These erosive, burdensome, and irrational program set up by the government and implemented before they even know what the heck they're doing. It would never pass muster in a project management. If you're on a project team at your workplace, you would never be allowed. You'd be fired if you did this kind of business. Like, hey, boss, uh, we're going to roll out a new line of underwear. And, uh, you know, we think uh, we got something that's going to beat Tommy John. I don't know where I came up with that. How did I come up with that? Uh, And, uh, you know, we're going to go ahead and uh, just start up the looms. And uh, but I don't know Leah's going to come up with a marketing scheme we don't know what it is but let's start it tomorrow. Shame on the federal government, shame on the progressives, shame on Joe Biden and his administration. And it's time that all of you if you have any influence over this if you work in a in an agency of government you tell replay this on the podcast on News Talk STL. You go in and tell tell them Randy Tobler and everyone listening to him has had it with with insane burdensome regulations. And, like that guy in that old movie Network said, we're mad as H and we're not going to take it anymore. Coming up, Emma Lemke, protecting your children from the, the ravages of social media. She was a victim of getting too immersed in it as a youngster. She's now a 20 year old student at Washington University. A compelling interview, I mean, a testimony uh, in front of the Senate uh, subcommittee a couple of weeks ago. And we talked with her. Uh, got an interview with her last week. I want you to hear it. Make sure you don't miss this. If you if you miss everything else in the show, don't miss this. Be right back. So speak light,
0: speak light for best, but just don't get it right. Ms. Lemke, you are uh, part of a generation that has a right to expect more from us.
2: Yes, Senator. You know, I got on Instagram at the age of twelve and. I sit in front of you all today as a 20 year old. About eight years down the line, I still see and hear of the harms that I experienced eight years ago. And what I will say to this body is that those harms will only increase from here. The mental health crisis for young people that we are witnessing will only continue to rise. So we cannot wait another year, we cannot wait another month, another week, or another day to begin to protect the next generation from the harms that we have witnessed and heard about today.
1: Well, it's uh, that was a compelling and riveting testimony by my guest, Emma Lemke, who's the founder of the Log Off Movement at LogOffMovement.org. I uh, saw you then, and I saw you on Trey Gowdy. You've been all over media, Emma, and rarely have I seen such compelling and provocative testimony. Thank you for doing that, and thank you for joining me.
2: Thank
1: you so much for having me. Clearly... You were impacted in ways that I think, um, it's hard for parents to imagine what their children are involved in when they're on screen because there's so much that they're exposed to but you were motivated to start this movement what was it about your experience that led to this uh, you know to this extra immersion beyond your studies as a sophomore at Washington University which is a a, not a not a slam dunk of a place to be studying at
2: (laughs) you know it it was a, a long and difficult journey with my own tech Um, like I said in my testimony I got my first social media account at the age of 12 and as I began to spend more time on my apps um, I began just quantifying my worth through likes and comments and followers I was exposed to harmful recommended pro-anorexic content as a young woman I was constantly feeling more anxious and more depressed but the thing that really made me feel most upset was the fact that I couldn't detach. I felt a fear of missing out. I felt that if I re- remove myself from these social spheres, that my social life would go with it. So all of these negative attributes and consequences of increased screen time really weighed on me until About the ninth grade after four years of scrolling mindlessly for five to six hours, I reached a breaking point where I finally asked myself how I was allowing these apps to have so much control over me and that began the long and difficult journey of building a healthier relationship with tech away from a parasitic one and towards a mutualistic relationship that would amplify the benefits, the connective capabilities of the online world while mitigating its harm to my mental and physical health as a young woman.
1: You know, it's a a time being a a women's healthcare uh, provider for the last 30 some odd years. I have seen an increase in anxiety and depressive orders among uh, younger women, particularly. But really, you know, everyone who's become connected and, uh, you know, association does not causation make. Mm -hmm. But I can see how in that time of, you know, the tween and, and teen years when. You know, all of us th- that have been in, there and done that feel like we need affirmation. The social gravitational pull is so strong, and to try to live up to these idealized images that you're able to create and watch online must be just an unbelievable, like, like a like a rip tide uh, from a social psychosocial perspective, right? How did how is it that you had the self awareness to say, whoa, 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 I got to swim to shore, I got to get out of this, uh, because that takes a lot of self awareness. out.
2: You know it, it for me was more of a breaking point a breaking moment uh, i think that i had i had for so long been struggling and like you said feeding into an unrealistic depiction an edited uh, image of what a woman should be and i finally reached the point where i had to decide i am either going to fall even deeper into this depression this anxiety this self-loathing or I have to begin to ask a more fundamental question, As someone who values control, how is it that I'm giving up so much control to this online world and this mechanism? I knew that there had to be an answer, so I saw it more as the pursuit for an answer of my addiction rather than me finding this beautiful meditative monumental moment. Um, And I think that in, in researching, that's when I began to see okay, wow, these feelings of anxiety, these um, this, these feelings of self-loathing as a young woman, it was not out of my own doing. It was because of affordances online. It was because of the like button. It was because of these addictive algorithmic features that were pulling me back in. And that's when I jumped really, I jumped in deep to a lot of my advocacy work because I realized that that burden should not be on the user or the parent. That burden should be on the tech company to not addict and to not harm the well-being of a young user as they are continuing throughout their formative years. That
1: must have been a daunting thing to to pull the pull the pin on that grenade, to use a metaphor. I mean, <laughs> certainly when you're interacting with uh, dozens, scores, hundreds, thousands, however many friends and you know you have. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the reaction among your close, I mean, real friends, and the, you know, the online big air finger quotes friends, as you began to pull back from involvement?
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that unplugging briefly, I I jumped off of my social media accounts for about two months while I began to research, Um, I thought that in that period I would receive a lot of flack. I thought that individuals would say, where are you? You missed out on X, Y, and Z. I didn't see a post at this event with you. What's happening? But what in reality happened was quite the opposite. My friends around me saw that I unplugged and a lot of them said, you know what, I've been really angry about the role that Instagram has played in fueling my own issues with my my body. I am really happy that you have done this. And I I had very intimate and deep conversations with people that I considered to be very close with But because of social media, because of this huge barrier, and because of this seemingly social kind of norm to stay quiet, none of us had talked with one another about how we were struggling. So to me, that decision opened up a much deeper level that I could reach with a lot of my friends. And I continue to explore those conversations um, with people and advocates around me.
1: It's so ironic, isn't it, that it's called social media and yet it can plunge one into social isolation. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just that's that's rich in a very wrong way. Uh, And what about your parents? Uh, Were they approving and uh, supportive of that, too? I imagine they were.
2: You know, it's it's funny because my parents, throughout all of this, they tried everything um, that a parent should really do. You know, I pestered them for so long to get my accounts when I got them. They tried to make me put my phone outside my bedroom some nights, and I didn't. Um, and when I decided to kind of fully unplug and take a step back, They just said to me, Oh, okay, because they had no context into really how I was struggling. And it wasn't until I really began speaking out in the media and I began my work with Log Off that they engaged with me and they said, You know, we're so sorry that you went through this. We had no idea. And I think that that's incredibly representative Mm. of that disconnect and that that understanding that's missing between a parent and a child, specifically a parent of a digital native. There's such a huge generational gap um, in understanding and that's when it really becomes important for young people in legislative arenas and academic arenas and and any spheres really, to begin to talk more about their lived experiences on social media, to destigmatize those conversations, to then be able to inform parents and other decision makers about how to better support, nourish and protect young users, especially the next generation.
1: We're talking with Emma Lemke, the founder of Log Off Movement, which is logoffmovement.org, an advocacy group for responsible use of social media and I say that as a segue to the question is there a magic formula I mean your formula was you know log off for two months and then you know we can talk about what you did after that but what's your what's your action item advice for both parents it sounds to me like maybe parents should just give kids a permission to talk about any struggles they have mm-hmm. what what both from the 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 user standpoint and the parent's standpoint are you know, uh, trusted friends. What is your, what are your action item steps? And, uh, you know, maybe you can summarize some of those things that, that folks can then dwell deeper into on the uh, on the website, logoffmovement.org.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think it's important, you know, there's always a the top-down approach, which is to speak with lawmakers in these companies to begin to alter their designs to make it more conducive for the young user. But I love that you really are emphasizing this bottom-up approach of saying the individual and the parent, and as a community, we should work together to figure out what habits and what techniques work best for us to maximize the connective, expressive, and exploratory capabilities of the online world while mitigating its harms. And I'd really, I'd really say for a parent and a child, what's important is that conversation. And the thing about the conversation is it needs to be as open and as non-judgmental as possible because a lot of conversations regarding tech usage and social media usage have been Incredibly, um, stigmatized across my generation because there's been a negative spin on it. We're considered screen We're considered passive victims of big tech. When in reality, what we are, we are very interested digital natives who many of us understand that there is an issue. Many of us are struggling and we just want an outlet to be able to consider and ponder how we benefit with, from social media, how we're harmed, and to work together to build boundaries and, and levels of friction between us and these addictive technologies. So opening up that conversation conversation as a whole, as a family, as an individual, and just asking some more fundamental questions about why you engage is really integral into building those better relationships. And then another step would be to put in those boundaries, such as limiting your screen time usage, only allowing your phone to be in certain spaces in the house, not allowing the phone at the dinner table in other social settings to engage in in in-person connection rather than online connection. Setting in boundaries like that are going to be very important to move forward as an individual and as a family unit and as any unit towards a better direction towards a mutualistic relationship with social media and away from one that will potentially harm you.
1: And I I read the New York times article on you from last summer, actually the summer of 22. Uh, yeah, last summer. And, um, I, I wanted to make it clear and give you a chance to to say, as you've alluded to, that log off movement doesn't mean, "Hey, I'm I'm out of here, I'm done, nada, uh, mm-hmm. a <laughs> with social media." It's it's learning to manage what can be uh, a real Trojan's horse uh, of uh, of a ruination into your life, right? It's managing what can be a very
2: constructive thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, log off was created, and the title was was branded as that because individuals and parents and societies need to Take a step back and log off to reflect on your screen time usage, to reflect on how you benefit and how you're harmed by the online world, to be, then be able to re engage and reconnect in a more meaningful manner. Because Log Off, being a youth organization that really tackles the complexities of social media, we understand how multifaceted it is. And it's not to say that a complete cut is necessary. The genie's out of the bottle. At this point, we're never going to go back to an age where social media isn't a very important piece of growing up or living in our day and age, but what we can do is figure out how to move forward in the most conducive in the safest possible manner, specifically prioritizing the privacy, well-being, and safety of young users and the next generation.
1: Well, Emma Lemke, you are a communication genius and an advocacy um, just a a maven. I'm just so proud of what you've done, and it's such an important Topic. It's it's actually the topic of our time, I think, and it's something that uh, we're going to really have to address because uh, it it the social media world has evolved much faster than our prefrontal cortex, that judgment center mm-hmm. in our brain. Can I be the charter member in the adult version of log off <laughs> movement? Because to this day, I'm 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 okay. I'm an older guy, so I'm on a Facebook guy. Not to have more than and when I miss two or three days and I don't acknowledge someone's birthday and I realize I'm I'm mm-hmm. telling you I can't go to sleep. I, I'm like oh my. I tell my wife you know they're going to hate me that person will never talk to me again so I've got the same problem it's not just a youth problem Emma
0: hmm
2: hmm absolutely. And I think that once we begin to have these conversations and once digital natives begin to destigmatize talking about these issues on social media, we will begin to see really robust and substantial intergenerational dialogue that will continue to move us forward into the next digital age.
1: All right. Well, Emma, we uh, thank you. And I, listen, I've spent a lot of time on the log-off site, and I think I would commend it for adults and young people alike, because all of the information there about well-being and... Some some meditation uh, references there for websites and so forth. It's really a great, great uh, resource for everyone. And all the best to you. You have a very bright future ahead of you, whether it's uh, advocacy here and there and another place and another place. I have a sense that you're going to make a huge difference in the world. Thank you for being with me, Emma Lemke. Thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, she's an impressive young woman, and I really hope that, um, I hope that, uh, those words uh, from her are taken to heart, so that you can protect your children from what can be a useful tool, and um, I think something that has probably evolved faster than our brains and our judgment centers, uh, but can also just destroy our children too. And we see what's happening with their mental health when they when they uh, get too immersed in it. So uh, Emma Lemke, a uh, logoffmovement.org. When we come back, lots to talk about with Virginia Cruda in our weekly get together. Um, some. Some news about Colin Kaepernick. He's back in the news. Uh, testimony by a former CDC chief that really uh, pulls back the curtain on Tony Fauci's uh, shenanigans. And some news about the J6 committee. Hmm. Maybe they were spending too much time in Washington bars and restaurants and not enough looking at those tapes. All that coming up with Virginia Cruda here on News Talk STL 1019 94 Welcome back to the Tobler show on news talk STL one Make sure and follow us on Twitter, on Facebook live on rumble. And don't forget we're now the exclusive home of the Dan Bongino show here in the Metro area. So you want to catch that every day. Always look forward to our weekly get together with Virginia Cruda, prolific writer at the daily wire.com. Of course, here on newstalkstl.com and uh, both, uh, you hear her orally on many shows as well. How you doing, Virginia? Welcome to the program. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, you were thinking a lot of the same thoughts on the same story. Well, not the same thoughts, but the same stories that I was thinking about. I think our thoughts are pretty similar, but um, let's start out with one that I thought caught me. And that was when, I won't waste our time playing the sound, but um, Democrats... In the test, when they were going after uh, Matt Taibbi and uh, Matthew Schellenberger um, on uh, uh, their Twitter files involvement, really were just going on ad hominem attacks. And uh, I was glad to see those two journalists take it to the Democrats who were trying to make it all about the journalist and not about the content.
0: Okay, so... First of all, you have the representative or the delegate from the U.S. Virgin Islands. She's Democrat. Stacey Plaskett, I think is her name. And she gave the opening statement. She's the ranking member, even though she doesn't actually have a vote in Congress. She's the ranking member in this committee on the weaponization of government, right? And so they're talking about the Twitter files and how Twitter was used by the government as a tool to shut down voices they didn't agree with which is what the com- the committee is supposed to be addressing. And instead of addressing what the Twitter files uncovered, like you said, she opens the hearing by referring to the two journalists who broke this story or two of the journalists who broke this story as so-called journalists. And then later in the hearing, Debbie Wasserman Schultz accused Matt Taibbi of profiting from from publishing the Twitter files because he'd gained followers on his sub stack or he'd gained subscribers and things like that. And my question is, what journalist isn't doing the job in part to make money? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, let's, exactly. Let's I mean that's that's the whole thing. Was it's a job. To it's a work profession. Not get paid? Was he supposed to yeah. do work and not get paid? <laughs> I mean, has she profited from being a congresswoman? I wish someone had asked her that
1: yeah yeah and weren't you glad uh, Virginia to see that both Michael Schellenberger and Matthew Taibbi you know they sort of they sort of puffed up their chest and they were they were in their face and then there was uh, Sylvia Gonzalez the uh, representative from Texas who who tried to you know have Taibbi you know expose his quote source I mean when did did Elon Musk call you was
0: he your real and I thought he handled it very deftly don't you Oh yeah, oh, well he, he because he is a journalist and he no I, I will Taibi and Schellenberger neither one is a is a right leaning journalist. No, if they have a bias, it's to the left. Yeah, based on their reporting and where they, I mean Taibi used to work for Rolling Stone. Yeah, so the, these are these are what? guys who are not right leaning journalists. But they've now been labeled far right and tools of the right. Uh, one, um, the other thing that Debbie Wasserman Schultz said was that um, they had undermined their own credibility by agreeing to appear in a hearing that was being led by Republicans. Like what? It's a <laughs> hearing where they take questions from both sides. This is not. It's it wasn't yeah. supposed to be a partisan. Now I understand that and, and I said this earlier this week. If your ability to defend your position depends entirely on your ability to control the narrative, then you may need to rethink your position. <laughs> this is well said I, I mean yeah. this is where we are right now because they cannot defend the position, so they must defend the people who have made it clear their position is untenable. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Virginia, I have
1: to ask you something else. I was sure. I was struck. It really struck me. It's something that I think, I don't know if you ever do this when you're watching congressional testimony. Uh, I've seen Candace Owens do it. I, I sort of have this channeling of Candace <clears throat> Owens. Remember when she really gave it back to someone? I forget the, the, the circumstances, but I mean, she basically went on the offensive As a witness. And one of the techniques that both parties do it this week, it was these these representatives uh, assaulting the witnesses, uh, um, you know, Taibbi and Schellenberger. But they'll try to say something. The witness tries to say something, maybe start a conversation or get their point across. And and immediately, you know, when the when the representatives in trouble, they say, "Uh, I'm trying to speak. This is, this is my, I have the floor. You know, they, they immediately shut down the conversation. And to me, that is a red flag that they know they're in trouble and they don't want the witness to say anymore. But, you know, don't you ever imagine yourself in that Perry Mason moment where you just dress down a, a U.S. representative or senator. Just, just give them hell. I mean, I don't know what it is. Yeah, that, you want their pomposity to, and, and their arrogance and Taibbi, is just
0: incredible. Taibbi did a pretty good job of it. Because when Plaskett introduced him as a so-called journalist, he let her have it. He said, "No, I've won yeah. this many awards. I've done this, this, and this. I, you know, yeah. and I am not a so-called journalist." Like, and yeah. Jim Jordan had to jump in a couple of times, interrupting. Um, I think it was Sylvia Garcia from Texas, uh, interrupting mm-hmm. her and saying, "Are you?" My, my favorite part was when Plaskett asked, like point blank, "Who is your source?" I mean, she didn't use those exact words, but she basically said, right. "Who is your source?" <laughs> And she said it three or four times, and then Jim Jordan said, "Are you trying to get a journalist to reveal his story?" She's like, "No, I'm not. Like the rest of us were here. We heard what you, had. like, yes, you did." Yeah, that's what the well, word you were using.
1: In a related story, uh, you wrote uh, about the the curious fact. Revealed this week in the wake of the uh, Tucker Carlson expose of the other side of yeah. the story, to use a, the rest of the story, to use a Paul Harvey uh, uh, line. Um, interesting. None of the J6 committee members, per the chair of that committee, viewed any of the tapes.
0: It was delegated. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and this is, this is what's interesting to me. They think that the American people are not capable of watching these tapes and discerning for themselves what the truth really is okay however their staffers are fine and so here's the thing though if you they're, they're mad that Tucker Carlson and his producers might put together a version of the tapes that they don't like Well, what they're forgetting or what they're expecting us to forget is that their staffers and an ABC producer put together the version (laughs) of the tapes we've already seen. Like, I don't... (laughs) um, People forget that the January 6th committee hired an ABC executive to produce the hearings. So that they would be watchable and like engaging, they wanted they wanted people to not be able to turn off these hearings. And so that you have amazing. to assume that with forty thousand hours, they're going to cut some of it, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to play forty thousand hours, especially some of it. it I, I mean, obviously, a lot of it has to overlap. Because the whole thing took place in like eight hours or less. So, I mean, the Capitol was, uh, the Senate was only gone for six, right? Right. So if you're looking at how many, I mean, there's a lot of hours of footage. So this is different angles and different perspectives and different people, different cameras. And some of it's going to be thrown out because they don't want the average person or foreign nationals or anybody to see where secret passageways and exits in the House and Senate might be. I get that. There are certain things that we as the American people, and especially as people who might, as, you know, foreign people who might want to undermine these things or use them to an advantage, there are things that some people shouldn't know. I get that and I'm fine with that. Like I, I think we know way more than we need to when it comes to national security. Yeah. And yeah, part of that is yeah, because we have a 24 hour news cycle and everybody with a cell phone is now a journalist. The problem right. is not everybody with a cell phone is an unbiased journalist. And we learned that on the steps of the, uh, the, the Lincoln Memorial when the pro-life students got, um, accosted by a group of Black Hebrew nationalists and a Native American protester, and 30-second clip of video circulated, making it look like it was the other way around. Right,
1: right. Hey,
0: before we run four out of time, hours of video uh, of those students being harassed that happened before that.
1: Well, that's right. That's the thing. And then, of course. Uh, that young man ended up getting a big settlement from the media that uh-huh. really defamed him and slandered him. Yeah, big deal for yep. CNN. What was it, like 4 or $5 million? I think it's officially sealed, but it's a lot of money. Yeah. All right. Well, we don't have time to get to the whole Fauci and the cover-up about the uh, the origin of the virus. But I thought that um, the CDC chief, you've got a great piece on Daily Wire about that, about yeah. uh, uh, ex C D C chief uh, Robert Redfield. Um and we don't have time to cover it, but I hope folks will uh will read that on the Daily Wire. Uh and I don't know, I did we publish that on News Talk? Were we able to did you write something I on don't, News Talk I don't News know, We may have. I didn't see. Okay. Uh,
0: we may have done that. Great
1: piece on that though. Yeah Robert Redfield really uh really uncovered the 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 big cover up. Talk about the big lie. Holy well, cow he was he le- was talking left about left out the the
0: week in February of twenty twenty. Like Tom Cotton. Yep. yep. And he was excluded from every conversation with the higher up.
1: Right. Yeah. Hey, we got to run. Thanks, Virginia. We'll talk to you next week. Yep. Have a good one. All right. Brian Searcy coming up top of the hour, folks. Big eight o'clock hour. Don't miss it.